Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, called Kingdoms in Conflict, Overcoming Temptation. We're in the book of Matthew, Kingdoms in Conflict, Overcoming Temptation. I know that most of you probably don't need a message on temptation. You're probably all good, right? So you can just go grab a cup of coffee and a maple bar if there's any left. Now we're excited to bring this to you. It it is the uh, temptation that our Lord faced or the testing that he faced uh, against the enemy. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to get right into it. So let's just pray before we start. Father, thank you for all the precious people who have gathered on this Sunday morning. This is your day. Every day is your day and we lay it at your feet. This content, Lord, is extremely important for our walk to understand testing and temptation to understand how you, Jesus, navigated it, how you use the word of God, which is living and active, and we can use it too. You said three times, it is written. And we know the power and authority of the word of God in our lives is so key, so instrumental. So would you help us to set aside all distractions right now? And as we come before your holy word, we know it's going to do its work. We know it comes down like the rain and it, it produces what you've intended for it. The one thing that you ask of us is that we be good soil. We be receptive soil. We want to honor our king and as we talk about kingdoms and conflict, we know that there's a kingdom of light and we know there's a kingdom of darkness. We know we have a spiritual battle. We want to gain a little bit more insight into that, but not just have knowledge. We want to apply that knowledge. So would you help us, Lord, to apply the word of God, and would you give us wisdom as we go through the word of God? Would you bless the time? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Matthew 4, the beginning of verse 1, with the words then is a connecting word, and it takes us back to the great scene that we studied last Sunday, the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that monumental moment, Jesus came to the Jordan. He approached John the Baptist baptize me. John said, oh, no, 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 no. You need to baptize me. <laughs> I'm not worthy of the untie of, you know, your sandals. And Jesus said, permit it that we might fulfill all righteousness. If you just want to simplify it, that we might do what's right. I mentioned to you guys that in, when you study the gospels, one thing that you need to see is Jesus retracing the fallen footsteps of Israel. Israel went through the Red Sea and out into the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10 says they were baptized into Moses, but after they crossed the Red Sea, they sang some praise songs to God. They were rejoicing. The Lord is a mighty warrior. The Lord is his name. He's exalted. He cast horse and rider into the sea. Our God is great, but it didn't take long until they were falling to their own weaknesses. And God could have taken them on a two-week journey along the coast, and they would have ended up in the promised land, but they were not ready for that. They actually needed the wilderness experience. And we're going to see how the Lord will model for us how to overcome temptation and how to deal with it. 
Notice in verse 1, then, following this monumental moment, let me just say that the monumental moment of Jesus' baptism included the heavens opening and the Father making a declaration as the Spirit came upon Jesus. This is my beloved Son. In Him I am well pleased. Twice in these temptations, the devil will say to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, if you're God's beloved Son, then this. Identity is a huge part of temptation. Sometimes the enemy wants to get you to question your faith, where you stand with God, if there is a God. And oftentimes we find ourselves right at those crossroads. Did God really say, he said to Adam and Eve in the garden, or are you really God's beloved son? Then why are you hungry? Why are you going to face a cross? This is how the enemy comes at us. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness after the baptism. Immediately he goes from baptism to temptation. That's often how our lives are, right? We go to a church service. We're feeling good. We're singing songs about God. We sense the Spirit. We get into our car. We begin to discuss where we might eat that afternoon. And conflict arises. (laughs) Where do you want to eat? I don't care. All right, let's go here. Well... (laughs) I really, really don't want to go there. But you said you didn't care. Well, I sort of care. <laughs> or we might get on the 91 freeway on a Sunday afternoon and we're like, there, there won't be traffic on the 91 on a Sunday afternoon, right? Wrong. <laughs> it is a cursed freeway. You all know that? It's under the curse. Anyway. We talk a lot in the Christian world about the spirit Led life. Galatians 5 says we're to be led by the Spirit, uh, not by the flesh. Well, do you know where the Spirit led Jesus? Into the wilderness to be tested. Is it possible that you and I need to widen our view of the Spirit-led life? You know, years ago we were doing some studies. They were new believer studies. And have you discovered the wonderful Spirit-filled life? Well, the Spirit-led life can lead you into testing. That's what happens with Jesus, and it does happen with us. There's a, there's a word here that's used for uh, tempted at the end of verse 1 there. It's a word, pirasmas, in the Greek. There's about five different variations used in these 11 verses. And the word can either mean to tempt or to test, depending on the context and the one who's delivering the test or the temptation. This is very key, and this is something important to write down. What the devil wants to do with a temptation is destroy you. What God wants to do with a test is develop you. So what Satan means for evil, God can turn for good. Now, God never tempts us to evil, but God can exploit even Satan's ploys, as he did in the book of Job, and turn them around for good. Satan wants to destroy. God wants to develop. Testing and temptation can often confirm us and conform us more into the image of Jesus Christ. And certainly, we don't invite it into our life, and we might not even feel like when we're in a test that that's spirit-led. But let me just say, we may want to widen our view here because this is spirit-led. And Jesus goes out into the wilderness as part of God's divine plan. Yes, 
to fulfill everything that's right. This is also part of God's redemptive plan for us. Jesus will fulfill all righteousness. He will live the perfect life for us. It's also a model of how we're to do it. If Jesus used the word of God, we can use the word of God. We're to walk in the same manner as he walked. So he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The word for wilderness, if you're taking notes, is eremos in Greek, E-R-E-M-O-S. And it speaks of a lonely, deserted place. Uh, This is what O'Donnell says about it. He says, the road to glory is not paved with gold and lined with daisies. Gold is refined through fire, not by being thrown onto a pile of marshmallows. We move like our Lord from baptism into battle. And we probably, all of us would ask questions, well, why? Why do we have to go through proving? Why testing? Why does God do this? Because we all know that when things are easy for us, we're not challenged, we don't develop, we don't grow. When everything is just at our beck and call and at our fingertips, it's easy. And frankly, we can conclude that we don't even need God. But when everything is stripped away, when we don't have anything except to rely on the Lord's resources, now we're going to grow. Now he's going to stretch us. And we need to know the enemy's tactics, and they are before us. And this is divine testing, no doubt. The enemy wants to use it to, to tempt him. And out into the wilderness he goes. There's a couple of Old Testament scriptures Without you turning to them, let me share a few of them. Right after the, uh, they move through the Red Sea, Egyptian army is drowned. Exodus 15, 22 reads this way. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. We find here that Jesus is fasting 40 days and 40 nights. They came to Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And so the people said, oh, it'll be all right. The Lord did 10 mighty plagues to the Egyptians. He just opened the sea and closed it on the Egyptian army. I'm sure a major drinking fountain will appear. Be of good cheer. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. They began to murmur and whine. I'm sure that this is not familiar territory to any of you. Complaining and whining and murmuring. But that's what they did. Where's the water? Why don't we have something to drink? And so they grumbled. Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and a regulation, Exodus 15, 25, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments... Keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. In Exodus 16, they went out to the wilderness of sin, interestingly enough, maybe a root of Sinai. They set out from Elam, all the congregation. They came to the wilderness of sin between Elam and Sinai. The 15th day of the second month, one month removed from their deliverance from Egypt. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, Exodus 16, 3, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate the bread to the full. 
For you've brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, Exodus 16, 4, whether they will walk in my Torah, my instruction, or not. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. In Exodus fifteen twenty-five, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. In Exodus 16, they went out to the wilderness of sin, interestingly enough, maybe a root of Sinai. They set out from Elam, all the congregation. They came to the wilderness of sin between Elam and Sinai. The 15th day of the second month, one month removed from their deliverance from Egypt. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, Exodus 16, 3, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate the bread to the full. For you've brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, Exodus 16, 4, whether they will walk in my Torah, my instruction, or not. Well, we know what happened to the children of Israel. They failed time and again in the wilderness. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 says that most of them were laid low in the wilderness because they would not obey God and they would not trust God. And the book of Hebrews tells us the problem. The problem was unbelief. Despite what they had seen, despite the glory cloud with them day and night, they still wouldn't obey. And you and I have the Holy Spirit and how often do we find ourselves not obeying God, even though we've had plenty of confirmation and affirmation in our lives. During this 40 days, it is clear that the Spirit impelled Jesus. Mark 1, 12 says, the Spirit impelled, you could say compelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, Mark 1, 13, being tempted by Satan. These three temptations were not the only ones. He was tempted through the whole 40 days. But at the end of the 40 days, these are the ones that the Holy Spirit decided we needed most. And they come at the end of his time of fasting. 
He was with the wild beasts, Mark 1, 13, and the angels were ministering to him. Luke 4, 1, another parallel passage says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, this is the key to overcoming temptation, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And off he goes into a lonely place. One writer said, I have found that loneliness or solitude in temptation can be my greatest enemy. When we are being overwhelmed by temptation, our tendency might be to isolate ourselves. Perhaps from, you know, not walking with God as close, maybe fellowship with others. And what we find is solitude is not good for us. Solitude can often be the devil's playground. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be alone at times, but the the point is this. When Israel went out into the desert and the resources were not right there, they found that they met themselves and it wasn't very pretty. The wilderness is the ultimate place of testing and temptation. It's often where the enemy attacks the most and where God shapes and molds us the most. And it can be hard. In Hebrew, the word for wilderness is midbar. It is defined by various lexicons as a wilderness or pasture. It can speak of a large uninhabited place. And it also means mouth or speech. The wilderness is the place of the word. It's where you learn to rely upon the word. And it connects with this idea of speech. The root word for word is devar in Hebrew, most frequently translated as a thing or a word. In the Hebrew picture language, word, devar, means the door into a person or the door of maturity. So when we're out in the wilderness and we have a chance to see God's word work in our lives because it's living and powerful, that's when we mature. That's when we grow. And that's when things are revealed in us that may not be too pretty. That's the place of testing and stretching. And that's what God does. And if you're right there in the wilderness at this given moment, be of good cheer. Perhaps it's been spirit-led. And God can exploit it for his good purposes to confirm you, to develop you. I'm not saying it's fun, nor am I saying I understand every angle of it because I certainly don't. But the Lord is about to meet the tempter. He's at the end of verse one. Notice he's led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He's described by three different names in our text. The devil in verse 1, the tempter in verse 3, and Satan in verse 10. Devil is diabolos. In Greek, it means a slanderer, an accuser, one who accuses falsely. Satan is satanus. It means an adversary or an opponent. And of course, the word tempter is quite obvious. And so there is Jesus out into the wilderness. The enemy meets him there. And after he had fasted, 40 days, Matthew 4, 2, and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Well, I would say, <laughs> I don't know how many of you have ever taken up a fast, but a fast can certainly bring out all the ugliness in us, right? We can have great intentions. Maybe you've made a declaration. You know what? I'm going to fast. Maybe you made a declaration at the turn of the calendar, that New Year's resolution thing. All right, it's over. I'm fasting sweets for the next 30 days. And then someone has a birthday. And there's chocolate cake. 
You like everything's sanctified by the word of God in prayer, right? Don't make declarations. <laughs> Just get yourself in trouble, right? And so Jesus is there and he's been fasting. Uh, you know, I think of people talk about fast today and, and maybe fasting from social media. Social media is so addicting, isn't it? Have you ever tried to just put your phone away for an afternoon? Some of you need it right by your side. (laughs) You're the only one that really understands me. (laughs) Oh, we're in trouble, people. And so he fasted. 40 days and 40 nights. You know that that... Uh, number 40 is significant. It's a number for testing and preparation in the Bible. Moses was up on the mountain and he fasted as he was receiving the law for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is a number that's interesting all throughout our Bibles. And God is doing this stretching work. And he does it in our lives and Jesus is modeling it for us. How did the children of Israel do While Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, not so good. In fact, during that time, they made a golden calf. And they began to worship it. And they said, as to this Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. Clock is ticking here. And they made a golden calf and they proclaimed, this is your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This first temptation... And I want to try to simplify it for all of us taking notes. Is about this. It's about taking things into your own hands instead of trusting God. It's about not making golden calves because God hasn't worked in your timeline or even in your way. And so Jesus has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He becomes hungry. Physiologists tell us that When you begin a fast of this length, what happens is you lose your hunger after about five to seven days. You won't be hungry anymore. You become hungry again at about day 40 when you're about to die. If you don't get food, you will die. That's when the enemy came with these temptations, when Jesus was on the verge of death. You've been listening to Kingdoms in Conflict, Overcoming Temptation, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you've been battling the same temptation or test for a long time. Maybe you would say, honestly, I feel like I've been failing the test more than winning the test. Maybe you keep facing the same thing and you're like, man, at what point do I just try to take things into my own hands? And that's always a mistake. (laughs) 
Uh, ancient Israel tried to do that and didn't work out well for them. I would just say relying upon the Lord, gaining more and more victory uh, as you face temptations and it may be a, a besetting sin for you. Maybe something that is an addiction or a struggle in the area of pornography. You know, Christians do gain victory in these areas. It can be in the rearview mirror, but often it does take time. And as long as you're moving in the right direction and you're getting more and more victory, that's something good to celebrate. Now, we never justify our sin, but I want to give you hope that uh, the more you overcome temptation, the stronger you will become in Jesus Christ, and you'll know how to battle from the side of victory. Hey, if we can help you in any way, we have a phone number that you can call Tuesday through Friday, Pacific Time, Business hours about 9 to 4 p.m. We have pastors here. The number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. These pastors are available as part of our staff to pray with you, to hear you out, try to answer your questions. It's 844-48-TRUTH. Take advantage of that number. Many have, and we're, we're here to minister to you. 844-48-TRUTH. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, called Kingdoms in Conflict, Overcoming Temptation. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.